Hey Yak, welcome back to another quarantine podcast. Hope you're doing well. We're continuing our series on God's love. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Today's focus is going to be on love is not irritable or resentful. Love is not irritable or resentful. Another translation puts it as it is not provoked. We can see this most clearly, I think, in Ephesians four twenty six and 27, when Paul says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Now, it is not saying there is no just cause for anger, and it might even be seen and understood as love, to sometimes be angry in the midst of injustice. But if you're like time, most of the time I get angry and bitter, not because there is injustice, but because a pet peeve of mine has occurred. And we have to be reminded that it is not our kingdom we live for, but it is the Lord's. Edwards does a really good job, Jonathan Edwards, he notes four ways in which anger can be undue or unsuitable. These are the four ways, in its nature, its occasion, its end, and its measure. In its nature, its occasion, its end, and its measure. This is what R.C. says, the nature of anger may involve the uh, the opposition of a person's spirit to evil. But not all opposition to evil is necessarily anger. A person may have a common reason judgment that something is wrong and may oppose it without flying into rage. Anger is undue when it contains ill will or a desire for vengeance. So we have to check ourselves there in in our nature of anger. Anger may be unchristian with respect to its occasion as when anger is expressed without just cause. Psychologists speak of situational anger, whereby a situation over which we have no control 
happens, and then we find an object to take out our anger on. I think this is most clear in sibling groups, right? Something happens at school or um, literally like a rainstorm comes and ruins your plans to be outside with friends or game or whatever. And instead of responding as the Lord is in control, we take out our frustrations on those around us. We must not do that. I'm going to read you a story of what I feel like is one of the most angry and bitter men in Scripture. And he's a prophet. And you know, when we read the story of Jonah, for the city of Nineveh, this is a story of hope. And for Jonah, you could almost take it, and I do, that it is a tragedy for this man. He is so caught up in bitterness and anger towards a people, some of it justified and others of it not, that he would rather die than see them come to repentance and faith. He sits in anger, and we're literally going to see him sit in anger here. And it leads to bitterness and frustration and unjust Direction of anger to the Lord. And I can promise you that is not love. So listen here, Jonah 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Well, Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. And he sat under the shade till he should see what would become of the city. He's sitting there hoping, burn, Tarshish, burn. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from discomfort. So the Lord is still extending mercy to Jonah, even in his bitterness. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die, and he said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. It is one of the like saddest sections of Scripture for Jonah. I think the Lord gave him comfort, hoping that when the sun would go down, the sun would go down on his anger. 
And he would see the people of Nineveh the same way that the Lord saw the people of Nineveh. But when Jonah awoke, instead of his anger being gone, bitterness had welled up in his heart and replaced any love. When you sit in anger, when you sit in bitterness, you do damage to your very soul. This is why it's so important that if you are at odds with somebody, you do a Matthew 18 model and approach them. If you are at odds, you seek reconciliation. For when we do not, your very soul is at stake. Jonah's anger here was misplaced. He was angry about the wrong things. Edwards continue, another occasion in which anger may be wrong is when people become upset over trivial matters. Here we violate the love that is to cover a multitude of sins. And this is just our pet peeves, right? And it's so good to remember and keep at the forefront of our minds the kingdom of God versus our kingdom. What are we really angry over? What are we really moving our time with. Edward's third way of identifying how anger can be evil is in respect to its end. Sinful anger is anger that has no godly purpose. When you are in the midst of anger, ask you have to learn how to ask yourself, to what end am I angry? To what end am I angry? And many times, if you're like me, it's over the wrong things. Finally, Edward spoke of undue anger, anger that is disproportionate to its cause. The anger is at a higher level or degree than its cause, or it may be undue to its duration. Paul had this in mind when he warned us not to let the sun go down on wrath. Ephesians 4.26 When the sun sets on our wrath, the wrath will likely persist and become bitterness or a grudge. And I think we see this here in the life of Jonah. Look, the Ninevites were an awful people group. When you look at the historical records, what they did to prisoners, what they did to the Jews, what their armies did, what their raiding bands did, is some of the worst stuff that we can think of in history. And I sincerely think that those people that did not choose to repent of their sin and were happy of their anger and wrath and their evil died in their sin, and God punishes them justly. But Jonah wasn't angry at just them. He was angry at the whole city. This is a city full of women and children and more than likely slaves from other countries. And Jonah's anger is disproportionate. It's not just directed at the men who have done atrocities. It is directed towards a whole people group. And you can say here, and I've heard it said, that Jonah potentially is one of the most racist people in the Old Testament. All Ninevites deserve to die. That's what Jonah is saying in chapters 3 and 4. Really, starts in 1 when he flees to Tarshish. And it's because bitterness and anger have become part of Jonah's DNA. 
You know, we don't get a full snapshot of Jonah's life, but Jonah doesn't seem like a guy who is very merciful. And if you ask Jonah's friends, how would you describe Jonah in three, four words? It might not have been very encouraging. But the story of Jonah, the prophet of God, tells us a couple things. One, God uses really broken, screwed up people to declare his message. And God extends love to Jonah in the midst of it, right? And two, the second lesson is, will you be Jonah? Will your life be marked by unlove for people who are not like you and have done things against you? Or will you be defined by the same love that Christ has displayed to you? Will you be defined by the same love that Christ has displayed to you? Hope you have a great day. Peace.